This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The Little Prince was right. Many grown-ups don't remember very much from when they were children. They've forgotten the special talents they had and the things they loved to do. With the odds stacked against them, can you help the children you love grow up to find the ideal career that's a great match for their unique talents and interests? With Carlene Tausick's book designed especially for kids, in just 20 minutes or so a year, children answer five or six fun questions to record their interests, talents, strengths, and achievements. By the time your children are old enough to start thinking about college majors or Votech school options, they'll have this keepsake, jam-packed with valuable insights about their true gifts, skills, achievements, and interests. Valeria Tellez interviews Carlene Tausick, the author of When I Grow Up, I Want to Be, the annual career possibility journal for kids. Carlene Tausick is the indie author of over 20 books. She primarily writes fiction and nonfiction for children ages 8 to 12. As a child, she had the goal, not met, to read every book in the children's section of her local library. Through her writing, she hopes to entice kids to have that same love of books. Carlene resigned from her career in human resources over three years ago to write full-time. She lives in the Tampa Bay area with her husband, who is a professional ventriloquist and magician. Meet Carlene at carlene.t.com. Here is the interview with Carlene Tausick. In your own words, who is Carlene Tausick? I am currently an author of over 20 books, and I used to be an, a human resources generalist for 15 years and resigned from that to write full-time. So I'm writing my books, and I also just love talking to people about their careers. So I work freelance for two resume writing companies as well. That sounds really good to me and also sounds like you have found your purpose. You have found um, your unique gift, which is um, the topic of our conversation today. Yes, I'm able to combine my writing skills as well as my passion for people's careers, you know, not only in the books, but also in the resume writing. So it's perfect. And the HR background, I I read and screen thousands of resumes. So I know what it takes to get them through. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
the topic of one of your books for kids is When I Grow Up, I Want to Be, the annual career possibility journal for kids. So I was reflecting when I was reading the book. This is amazing how we know what we want to be when we are children, but then we forget, we completely forget about it. And we do what society wants us to do, other people, our parents. Yes, exactly. Yeah, what a journey. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a human being from your perspective? It means, wow, it means so many things. But I think that we're all responsible for bringing our unique strengths and talents to the world in whatever form that might take. And I think that optimizes our time on Earth, which is limited. So we might as well use, use what we've been given, what we've been born with to bless others. What are the other um, obstacles? Would you say fear, all kinds of fears? All kinds of fear as adults. As children, we ha- you know, children don't have that many fears, really. Um, and that's why they're so playful and so on. But we do lose that as we grow up, and, you know, because we have these expectations of what it means to grow up, what it means to be responsible, and so on. And as you said, we're pulled by societal expectations, by well-meaning parents, by well-meaning guidance counselors, and so on. And then, you know, people end up 40, 50 years old wondering, how did I get here and why am I so miserable in my job? Do you also help people to change to make that transition? I, I don't personally do coaching or anything like that. You know, I have written similar books for adults, which we can go into a little bit later towards the end. I can talk talk about those. But um, when I'm talking to people insofar as being a resume writer, I can only steer them the best way to, um, you know, get their resume through. But they're not usually looking to me for a career pivot by any means. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's not a good idea to make suggestions. Right? Yeah, if we don't probably know not. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Carlene? I think that the purpose of the human experience is to really glorify, really glorify God, whatever you feel that is. Um, You know, I have my own opinion and and others will have others. But I think that, you know, we have a creator. I think if we just look at our hands, we know that we have a creator. They're so intricate. And so much, so many things around us are so intricate. And so in using us as a creation, we represent that being as we go out, really, because we are that creation. What, where, and who is God to you? This is a question I often ask. Mm-hmm. To me, God is the creator of heaven and earth and uh, who came down to earth as the person Jesus Christ. That's who God is to me. Would you say that God is connected to the idea of unconditional love? Yes. Yes, definitely. God takes, you know, sometimes people will find themselves in the worst of situations that they've, the worst of holes that they've dug themselves in, where the only way is up, and they turn to God, and God is always there to accept them back. Ultimately, it's all about trust, isn't it? Yes, yes. Trusting God. Yes, yes. And it gives us hope, especially, you know, these times are difficult currently with the pandemic going on and so on. And 
And, you know, we need hope to know that tomorrow is going to be better, to know that next year is going to be better. Um, you know, we're recording this at the end of 2020. And a lot of people are saying, oh, I can't wait till 2021. Like as if we're going to wake up to sprinkle cupcakes and rainbows and unicorns on 2021. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not going to be quite that drastic. But, you know, but we can have hope. We can have hope that there is God in control and that he or she has our best interests at heart. Do you believe that God, or we did, who chose to be in a human body? Do you think God put us here with this specific purpose, or we chose to be here, and now God is our guide, it's guiding us, but we have chosen that in the first place? I think that God created man and woman in his image, and we choose, I think we choose how open we're going to be to the creator God insofar as guiding, guiding us in life and working in, in line with that creative force. It doesn't mean that will happen. For some people, that's a long, long journey, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I think, you know, we have our pride. We want to think that we can do things on our own, our way, in our strength. And, you know, it takes some whittling away at that pride and the school of hard knocks to really uh, be able to turn to God in such a way that you can say, all right, I'm ready for your guidance. What are the lessons that you have learned from 2020? The lessons have been primarily to be, always be ready to pivot, always be ready to innovate, to try new things, because some you know, 2020 has taught us that, you know, maybe the old ways didn't work. I mean, you look at uh, corporate real estate and skyscrapers that used to be full of workers. And how many of those are going to stand empty now that companies have found leaner ways to work with all of their people working from home? So that's just one way, you know, but the way many of us have done business, like my best selling books were sports journals for kids. And those, those did the best and all kids sports were canceled. Boom, like that. And so, so the sales of that plummeted, you know? And so as a result, I had to do some pivoting as well and maybe look at my new marketing plans or whatever, you know, to get things back on track. And, and it's coming back slowly month by month, but yeah, it, it takes a fresh look at the way we've always done things, which is not a bad thing, really. I agree, Carlene, a thousand percent. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. If we can see that in the midst of the, uh, the challenges. Right, right. One of the key things that'll kill a business is that, that famous saying, we've always done it this way. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, sometimes we need this little <laughs> kick in the butt to, you know, look at things differently. So true. So, Mm -hmm. I agree. I love your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what do you love most about being a human? Well, I love being a human currently because I'm very healthy. So that's great. <laughs> I have no complaints in, you know, in being a human body at this point in time. Um, yeah, so I think that would be my answer. I, I, I like it. it. It's fine. I look forward to an afterlife. But for now, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> that's so cute. You responded almost like uh, with the heart of a child. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? 
the meaning of freedom for me right now, I love being free to work from wherever I want. If we have the opportunity to go overseas, I can work from there. I, I really enjoy that freedom. And of course, right now in our country, we have freedom from we have freedom from war. It's been a challenging year for a lot of time, a lot of people. It would be nice to be for everyone to be free of worry and concern about financial situations and so on that this pandemic has put them in. But hopefully we can um, move on in 2021, that famous 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. To things. So true. And then you made me think about worries and preoccupations and all that. Is that really possible to be free from worries and, and these mental apprehensions? I think it takes constant work. It takes constant work because we always have to remember worry doesn't do us any good. And if anything, it slows us down. It stifles our creative thinking that could enable us to get out of the situation, you know, uh, and come up with a solution. So worry, most, the vast majority of the things we worry about never come to pass anyway. True. It's really a waste of energy. So, but it does take constant, constant work to keep that worry and fear monster off your shoulder. What kind of work do you recommend that we do to keep worry away? Ooh, good question. Uh, probably memorizing good verses from your holy book, whatever it might be. Uh, that would be a great ones. A total awareness and reliance on God and, you know, keeping, you just have to always remind yourself, whether it be motivational verses or Bible verses or from your holy book or whatever, you know, post them on the mirrors, you know, memorize them, whatever it takes to remind yourself that whatever you're worried about is going to pass and worry isn't going to help. So how did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, When I Grow Up, I Want to Be? Okay. I became a writer initially because I was reading books to my children when they were little and I would, we would finish a book and I would say, I can do a better job than that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't realize at the time how hard it really was to write a book. I, I had no idea. You know, I was being naive, but I thought, oh, I could do better than that. <laughs> so, um, so we moved to Florida in 1999 and probably within uh, five years or so after that, I got involved in a writing organization here in Florida, the Florida Writers Association, and um, began to learn through monthly meetings and through their conferences and so on, what it actually took to write a decent story, you know. And so I wrote my first book, but never published it or anything. It wasn't, it, you know, it was a first attempt. And, <laughs> you know, you just have to get that out of the way and move on. You know? <laughs> but then this, this particular book that we're talking about today, When I Grow Up, I Want to Be, uh, this came out of... My husband and I were in Bangkok, Thailand, and we were doing some mission work. We were teaching English in the evenings, and then during the day, we pretty much had quite a bit of free time. So I began to research ministries that were working with uh, 
women and trans, transvestites that had come out of the sex trade and discovered that a lot of these ministries had standard things for these people to do to earn a living, whether it be making jewelry or sewing or whatever, you know, but each ministry had their kind of specialty. And I thought, well, what if these people are totally bored out of their skulls by doing that? Are the, is that going to make them be tempted to go back into the sex industry that they came out of? So that's when I designed a career workshop for them. So the next time we went to Bangkok, I presented this career workshop at several of these ministries. And it was asking questions, some of them about their childhood. What did you like to do when you were little? You know, what do people turn to you for help with? And different things, you know, as an adult and as a child to get them thinking about their true strengths and talents. And Coming back to the States, then I discovered through a little bit of research that study after study shows that at least 50% of Americans are dissatisfied with their work or even disengaged from their work. In other words, they're just going in, keeping the seat warm, doing the least that they can just to keep the job and going home. So I thought that's ridiculous. That's just ridiculous because when you think of the cost and mental health of that, physical health, as well as on the economy and what what those people are not doing for the businesses they're working for. The impact of that is immeasurable. I took those questions from that career workshop that I had done in Bangkok and started thinking about this book, When I Grow Up, because thinking that if people were recording as children every year what their strengths and talents and achievements are, then they'll have a record when it comes time to be to make those grown-up decisions of what am I going to major in in college or should I go to college or trade school you know, or whatever, and what kind of job should I take? So they'll have a solid record of their true strengths and talents. So that's what this book is all about. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love this idea of doing this kind of work as a child and trying to uncover our unique talents yeah, I wish I had access to it. <laughs> Not that I regret anything. Yeah, a lot of adults have told me that. So to describe it for your listeners, every year from age 6 through 18, there's just five quick questions that kids can answer, and they vary from year to year. Every three years, they answer some questions that are a summary. You know, you said back when you were age 6, you wanted to be such and such. Do you still want to be that? Why or why not? Things like that. So like I said, so it gives them a record throughout their childhood of what they've achieved, what awards they were they received, what they really liked doing at school, their favorite memories of things that they did, and so on and so forth. And so children would track, or anyone for that sake, would track how much we have changed and what has not changed. And that yes. might be a very good sign, those things that don't change. Would you say that that is the sign, the right way to measure or to find our purpose? to see what doesn't change throughout the years? I, I think it's a good thing. Yes, I think it's something that you have to pay attention to, for sure. But, you know, and another thing that drove the, the direction of this book, too, was just watching my own children, now grown, when, we, when my husband and I downsized, you know, we handed them these books of school material that they had done and said, here, decide what you want to do with this. And as they're looking through this, you know, this old stuff that they did in elementary school and so on, 
and how much of things that came true, you know, in their work, because they're all in work that's perfectly aligned for, for what, who they are. And uh, it was interesting to see the things that they had written about or, you know, commented on and so on in schoolwork. And lo and behold, here they are, you know, (laughs) so, yeah. How do we know, Carlene, finally, when we are there, when we have found our purpose? I think it comes when you're not miserable. (laughs) That common (laughs) sense, right? (laughs) Yeah, when you're when you're doing work and time is flying, that's and that's one of the things, you know, in the book, that's one of the questions. What do you do that makes time fly? You know, and you look at the clock and wow, where did it go? You know, because you're in your zone, you're in your you're using your true talents and you're doing what's aligned with who you are. You know, that's how you know when you're at work and you're looking at the clock and it's just like ticking by so slowly and you're miserable. That's not it. Now, there might be things in that company that would charge your battery in a different way. But whatever you're doing, that's not it. And another uh, question I have for you about purpose and unique gifts is if they change, is that something that could happen for five years we're so engaged in one thing and then all of a sudden or after a certain amount of years or number of years we completely change our focus and our interest is that possible to happen um i think well it depends on how much of a pivot you're talking about i think i think that you know somebody that is creative as a child is still going to be creative as an adult even though they might be squelching that creativity for something more practical. And I'm making quote signs in the air, you know, <laughs> practical, you know. Right. So, or, you know but, but when they come to retire, you know, and I know somebody personally that is a fantastic watercolor painter, and that has come because he's older now and can take the time to do that. But sometimes we we shuffle those things off to the side because, you know, we have a mortgage and we have kids and we have college to pay for and so on and so forth. You know, all those responsibilities. Yeah. So I think that I I don't know that they're lost that much. You know, I don't think that somebody that's a a really, let's say, an engineering brain is going to go off and do something very loosey-goosey, you know, (laughs) creative or something, you know. Uh, engineering brain is completely different, you know, and, and there's nothing against them. We need those people. We need everybody, but, you know, so. In a way, you're saying that we are wired for certain interests. I think so. And I think that wiring stays, you know, pretty much, you know, I mean, there's uh, obviously room for growth and room for change, but I think that some of the basics you know, stick with us. And, you know, because we see that as people go into retirement, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I want to do this now, you know, because I can, because I have, you know, a little bit of income coming in and I don't have to worry about these day-to-day financial obligations as much. So they have more freedom to get back to what they really, really like to do. For you, what has been the main support for the courage to have that courage? to do what you love to do in life? As I said, for 15 years, I was in human resources and I was with a company that was growing fast. So that met my, met my need for constant change because I get bored very easily in work. And so, in fact, I had told my boss at one point, I won't be here for more than two years. 
know, but because the company was growing so fast, I did end up staying on for 12 years. I had always said to my husband, I knew that our company was going to be acquired. And so I, I said to my husband, I said, if I get laid off, I'm going to try and negotiate a six month severance package because of my longevity with the company. And lo and behold, the company was required and acquired and my boss sat me down and he said, you know, we're going to give away uh, retention bonuses so that you stay until the company, the transaction actually goes through. And because of your longevity with the company, you're getting six months of your salary. So there you go. It's like I wanted it and I stated that I wanted it and it came. Wow. <laughs> so as a result, I was able to stretch that out over 10 months, you know, because I resigned soon after, as soon as everything was tied up with my department, with the new company, I resigned because their their gig was not my type of thing. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> and, um, and I stretched that money out over 10 months. And I said to my husband, for the first three months of that six months of money, I'm going to work on my books and market them and see if I can get them to a point, to a living wage, you know, and the next three months, if I have to, I can always look for a job. And I said, the worst case scenario is I have to take a job cashiering at the local grocery store. That's my worst case scenario. Worst case. I didn't think that was too bad of a worst case. I don't want a cashier ever in my life. I never have before. But if that's my worst case scenario, think about how many people in the world would die for that job. Right. You know, so, so that that was my thinking. <laughs> so between the books and the resume writing and picking that up and so on, you know, it's been full time writing ever since. I love your story, too. And I absolutely love the what you just said powerfully. I wanted and I stated what I wanted. Yes. Yeah. And it came to be. You know, which is amazing, you know, six months. And people have said, oh, you, you should have stated more. Well, n no, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not the point, you know. <laughs> so, um, Would you say that this is coming from spirituality or self-love? I think it was maybe not self-love, but self-confidence. I had felt that we live very lean Uh, we had downsized. We had eliminated a lot of expenses. We were no longer putting kids through college. So, you know, I knew what we could live on. I don't know, maybe it was a combination of self-confidence, self-love, courage, and a little of being naive. I don't know. But it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> but it worked out. You know, I mean, you have to take that step. And like I said, worst sure. case scenario, I can't cashier at the grocery store. Well, that wouldn't kill me. You know, it wouldn't kill me. <laughs> wow, I love that, Carolyn. What an inspiration. This idea of just doing the things we want to do and stating them and having the courage to just follow what we believe in. Could it inspire anyone? I mean, all of us. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of support from my husband, too. And he was like, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, it helps. I mean, yeah. when, when you state six months salary and you get six months salary, how could he argue with that anyway, that right? True. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. <laughs> how wonderful. Talk to me about the other three books that you have written that are part of the series of the same I Want to Be series. When I would be selling um, when I grow up at places where there were adults walking by or whatever and seeing it, often they would comment and say, when are you going to write the book for adults? 
So I did. So I wrote a similar book called In My Next Job I Want to Be. That was the next one. And that's for mid-career job seekers that are thinking about maybe pivoting into a new role. And then I added When I Graduate I Want to Be. And that's for ages 16 through 22, uh, people that are getting ready to graduate from high school or college. And then last but not least, I added when I retire, I want to be, because as I mentioned before, a lot of times people get to retirement and then are wondering what they're going to do with the remaining 20, 30 years of their life and aren't really ready for the lazy boy recliner chair and the remote control, <laughs> you know, and shuffleboard and, <laughs> and all that stuff. I love your sense of humor too. <laughs> so so um, that, that helps them explore, even though they may have been in a dull corporate job or whatever kind of job for all those years, they can still think back to their childhood as well, as well as their job experience. You know, what did you like about certain jobs? What didn't you like about them? And analyzing those experiences to come up with a new plan for retirement. And I do have a question about the book, um, When I Retire. This is something that we often think about it, but not when we are young. So I'm wondering if you have some suggestions for those who are thinking about retirement. Is there an age to start thinking about it? Or, Well, that brings up the point that most retirement books are focusing on the financial aspect of retirement. Will you have enough, you know, and how can you get enough and so on and so forth. And so age-wise, it's really, you know, that, that plays into the factor on, you know, and I would say if you love your work, stay at it as long as you want, you know, as long as you can. My husband is a professional ventriloquist and magician, and he says he's going to keep performing until people are laughing at him out of pity. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, so. Yeah. You know, and he's healthy. He'll probably be performing into his 70s, I imagine, you know, because he enjoys his work so much and um, that'll work for him. So it's it's really a very individual, you know, decision as to what to do. But I think that if somebody's in a job that they don't like and they're, say, 55, 60, and they're looking forward to retirement, maybe they better start analyzing what they want to do in that retirement I believe that the heart attack rate after retirement in that first couple years is quite high because people are, it's such a shift for people. You know, they felt so needed in their job and then all of a sudden they're doing nothing and that's just not healthy. I agree. I think people should transition and, you know, whether it means, you know, start their Etsy store or whatever they want to do, you know, (laughs) but, you know, start a little bit now on the side, you know, before you get to full-time retirement. Success. What is to be successful to you these days? Success means I love my work. And that to me, that is success. I love talking to people about their careers. I love writing my books. I just love my work. So to me, I am a a stunning example of success. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It doesn't necessarily mean you know, making a certain amount of money or anything like that. But I really love my life. I love where I live, everything about it. So I think that that's success to me. And two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? 
I would just make sure everybody had my passwords. <laughs> <laughs> very practical. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think I would change very much. No. Yeah. Beautiful answer, too. I love that. And the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Wow, that I know for sure. It's ever-changing. It's ever-challenging. But things work out in the end. Those would be my three things. Ever-changing, ever-challenging. It works out in the end. Thank you so much, Carlene, for your beautiful presence, your purpose, your beautiful work. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you. And my last question, the technical one, is where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Mm -hmm. My website is carleent.com, K-A-R-L-E-E-N, and T for my last name, Tausick. All my books are listed there. Yeah, it's a beautiful website, too. Thank you. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bye for now, Carleen. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Carlene Tausick and her works, please visit carleent.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>